Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Liam Patterson, with the show Now You Know, where I'm here to figure out what I want to do in life. And I know that half of you don't know what you want to do in life. So I'm going to keep interviewing people who do a bunch of different stuff, and we're going to figure out this thing together. We've actually got some, we've got some storms going on where I'm at right now. Really? You're probably going to hear some thunder. Oh, shoot. <laughs> I'm excited. Wait, you're, not, you're not reporting on it? No. Well, that's the weird thing about covering national stuff now. Like, I was a local meteorologist for so long, and... You know, if, uh, if I was just forecasting for one city, I always knew what the weather was going to be like there, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's funny now, like my wife will ask me like, what's going on with the weather? Like, what's it going to be like in Atlanta tomorrow? I'm like, I don't know. I was covering a cyclone in, in Taiwan and, you know, snow in the West today. I'm like, I haven't even looked at what the forecast is going to be in Atlanta. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. Not even stuck in the present where you are. Yeah. Well, uh, maybe tell the viewers what you do. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, if you haven't guessed yet, I'm a meteorologist. I work at the Weather Channel. I'm an on-camera meteorologist. Um, yeah, I just really like weather. I've done it for my whole career. Um, gosh, how long have I been in the business now? I started in 07. Wow. What's the math on that? I actually haven't thought about this in a while. That's kind of funny. So that's <laughs> 10, 10 plus 5, so like 15-ish years maybe. Wow. Does it feel like it? Uh, yes and no. Like, it seems like just yesterday when I started uh, my career, I, you, I, I'll tell you about my career. So basically, um, I started off in college. I went to the University of Wisconsin, um, and I started off in engineering. Mm. And then I went to some of those classes, and I was like, eh. You know, I was always a math science guy, but I don't know. I just wasn't interested in it, and I knew I'd always been interested in the weather. So I went to school for weather. And then, um, you know, I'd never had any intentions of being on camera or anything like that. So I got a local or I got a, uh, an internship with a local meteorologist in Milwaukee, John Milan, WTMJ, just in case there might be an obscure viewer or two that would know who that is. <laughs> he retired like 10 years ago. Um, and yeah, I got an internship there and I figured I would just be helping him, you know, make the weather maps, learn about more about weather or whatever. And then all of a sudden it's like May of 2007 and I'm graduating and it's, it's like, well, I have to get a job. So yeah. he threw me up on the green screen and we made a tape and I sent it out. And then I had a whole career in broadcast meteorology since then. Pretty cool. Has it really been any like other jobs other than meteorologists throughout the career? Um, there was a brief period uh, before I landed that first job while I had a bunch of tapes sent out that I was, I was a line cook. Cause I was always a line cook, like through college and, and high school. And so I was just doing that until I got my first job. And honestly, <laughs> the money was si pretty similar between, you know, oh, wow. between the, oh gosh, do you have you, so do you know like what, what a lot of, uh, small market local news meteorologists make? Like no, usually, actually, okay. Know. So usually at your first job, if you're working at a small market, you're back in the day, it was like, anywhere from upper teens to about 25 ish. I think I was in the, I was probably on the higher end of that. So I've considered myself pretty lucky at the time. And, uh, yeah, you just kind of work your way up and it can, it can be a pretty rough business. Local news is a little rough right now. I think. Definitely. Like with cable kind of becoming obsolete a little bit too, is like maybe less people are watching the local news as much. Yeah, totally. I, I just don't think people are watching TV as much. I mean, yeah. Honestly, like my wife has a bunch of subscriptions to, you know, like Netflix, Hulu and all that. So we have that, but all I watch is YouTube. All Fair I watch enough. is YouTube. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, that's Everything I want is on there. I want to watch 
uh, people playing the drums. I want to watch weather events. I mean, gosh, you can tell so much about somebody just from their YouTube recommendations. You know, like if you just <laughs> open their YouTube page where they're signed in, you're like, okay, I know everything about this person's life. And YouTube knows everything about me. And I'm totally cool with that because when I turn it on, it shows me what I want. It knows when my kids are going to be on. So it's like, hmm. it's, it's suggesting uh, kids stuff. It knows when it's time for me to go to bed. So it'll start to suggest like, you know, brown noise or white noise or whatever. <laughs> really? It actually yeah. does that? Yeah, Boy, it's incredible. What? Yeah. I dig it. You're okay with all of that? Like, you know, I am. I mean, look, like, a lot of people make a big deal out of it, but it's beneficial to me. Like when I get um when I get certain ads from time to time, I'm like, okay, I actually kind of do need this. You know, like how did you know? It it hears you say stuff. Like there's no doubt. You know, we've got yeah, like an Alexa or something in our house. It's my wife's. And I'll just be talking about stuff with her and I'll see an ad for that on my Facebook, like the next day. Oh yeah. I mean, that's a, that, that one's a little like borderline for me. I don't know how I feel about that, but at the end of the day, if it benefits me, I'm okay with them having some info about me, whatever. Hmm. It's like, hmm. there's gotta be a line somewhere. I feel like. Where's your line? What do you think? I don't know. I, I've honestly like looked this up to be honest about, uh, like Facebook and you know how they bought Instagram. They, ever since then, I just, anytime I'm talking to anyone about anything, I get, two or three ads from the conversation and it just started, I started seeing it so much. And some things it would even be like, maybe I didn't say it, but I reached and went and grabbed an Oreo maybe when my phone was in my hand or something. And then like two minutes later, I'll get an Oreo ad on Instagram and That's it's a little weird, but I've looked it up and Facebook denies all of it. And like, there's been reporters that were like, well, we've done case studies where this phone and this one person are in this room with no one else. And they would talk about a certain thing over and over again. And then sure enough, the ads would put my, come up and it's a thing. Yeah. Facebook was like, no, nope, nope, And then stop talking to that reporter. Just wouldn't well, do any more interviews. You know, the thing, um, uh, the thing that always gets me is when you buy something that you need, like say it's like a mattress or something, you've been shopping for a mattress for a while. You finally make the purchase and then the mattress arrives and you're using your new mattress. And then, after that, you're nonstop getting ads for mattresses for weeks after. I'm like, dude, this is one thing where I don't need another one. All right, relax. Come back in 10 years or whatever. Yeah, they're like 100% you can take it back, guarantee if you don't like it. That's what I'm exactly. saying a lot from like the new online ones. You really just yeah. want to send someone back to give me back a mattress? No way. Exactly. So you should. I think we should tell people how we met here. This is kind of an interesting story, oh, yeah. isn't it? Oh yeah. So, um, basically whenever I got myself in this kind of podcast organization, uh, my good advisor, Patty Cox, shout out to her. Cause she is amazing. Sent me a, a kind of like a good list of like the people to talk to. And you were one of them. And I saw the weather channel meteorologist and I was like, you know what? That is such a specific niche that I feel like the path had to be unique. And then also anyone who wants to be in that type of position, like, maybe meteorologists, maybe weather, just something in that area. They would actually get something pretty decent out of this conversation. Just hearing someone who's done it like throughout the years, I guess. And, yeah. That's so interesting that you're, you're, you know, Patty, cause I mean, Patty was the one that hired me initially at the weather channel. Oh, so, I did not know that. That's yeah. When I, when I started at the weather channel in 2014, so I was working in Huntsville, Alabama as a uh, local meteorologist there. And um, I got recruited by this guy named Greg Gilderman, who was also a really great guy to work for. He was in charge. So this was around the time where we were really trying to expand our 
digital thing. Like it was really blowing up then. And, you know, TV and digital, we were all still the same thing. We were all working together. The, the TV guys would do some digital, the digital guys would do some TV. And, but we were really trying to like separate ourselves and, and there were no on-camera digital meteorologists yet for that side of the team. So I was the first one of those, like they were looking for somebody specifically to do that. And so Greg was in charge. We used to have two teams. It was the video team and the content team. So the content team already had a bunch of meteorologists, but they were the ones that would be writing articles and, um, you know, giving briefings and all that kind of stuff. And then, so they wanted a guy that was specifically there just to, that, that knew how to do videos so we could, um, make videos that are different from what's on TV because the problem is that you can't just clip TV clips and put them on the web because it doesn't work for the internet audience. And especially, you know, with apps and everything, everybody's kind of looking on their phone. It has to be digestible and short and well thought out of how you tell the story. <clears throat> you can't be rambling and all that kind of stuff, which honestly I kind of miss. Like I did morning shows <laughs> when I was a local meteorologist and, you know, it's kind of fun doing like nonstop hits all morning and just ad libbing and having fun. Not like we don't ad lib anymore, but to get back to the story, um, uh, there was not technically a position open for a video meteorologist. Patty was the the leader of the content team. So she was in charge of all the people that were like writing articles and stuff. So she technically hired me as part of that team, but really, you know, I would just go into the studio every day and we'd be tasked with, okay, here's a couple weather stories, figure out how to tell them in a, in an internet friendly way. And so we kind of pioneered that and it was really, really cool to be a part of. And by the way, Patty, Patty is, uh, probably the best boss I've ever had. Yeah, yeah. I would say the best boss I've ever had. Um, she's, she's such a super high quality human being. She cares about all of the uh, employees. Um, she was always very fair. You know, she always had my back and then I would always have her back. Uh, if they need somebody to come in when somebody was sick or whatever and, uh, you know, direct when she needed to be, uh, just, yeah, that's somebody to look up to for sure. That's one of those people like, uh, that you work for that you want to stay in contact with. And you're going to call 10, 20 years later and say, Hey, how's it going? Thanks again for hiring me back in the day. And yeah, <laughs> no, honestly, ever since I got here, it's, it's been awesome. She's, uh, she's helped me fix my resume up, write cover letters, like send me contacts like you to talk to, to get my podcast kind of started up. And recently we all actually went on a little New York city trip, um, for like the national college media convention. And Patty came with us and just like, honestly, she just, she was like, you know what? You're college kids. Like they told me to kind of be a chaperone, but just go off. I hope I'm not getting her in trouble by saying this. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's Patty, man. She yeah. likes to have a good time. Like, mm -hmm. um, she just integrates herself into the team and everybody just feels like family. And, yeah. uh, you know, luckily she kind of passed down that, that type of leadership. I think, um, some of the other management that, that had been around at that time as well, you know, learned from it and they were already pretty good managers to start with. And, you know, honestly, it, we haven't skipped a beat here. Like everything's really good. Management's still great. So I'm in a really lucky position. I mean, it's a very good company to work for. I'm working from home. You can see my home studio back here, probably. Huh. Let's see if I can even, yeah, I got some, <laughs> I got a podium that I just built. This is the laundry room over here. Oh, okay. Nice. There's actually laundry going right now. And then I've got the, uh, that's the backdrop. Okay. So I put my phone up above where that laptop is, you see? Yeah. And I turn on all these lights. 
there's another one back here too. Oops, oh, wow. I forgot to turn the TV off. I was watching a little YouTube before this. <laughs> and the, the couch is right there, so it's very convenient, you know. In between shoots, I can just hang out and watch TV yeah. now. <laughs> is that the company stuff or did you have to invest? In what is... I be, most of it was, was, uh, company stuff. Uh, at least they, they paid for it. So mm. when we went, when we went remote, I'm trying to think exactly when it, when it was, I can't remember. Was it early 2020 or early, late night? It was early 2020. That's the year. Yeah. Graduated. It was like, it was about two years ago. It was like March, 2020, I think is when we did it. And we were all kind of tasked with just figuring out how to shoot videos and the process that it went through over the next couple of months was, it's really funny to look back at because my shots, they just looked so bad for a while. You know, I was trying, I was in different rooms of the house. I was trying different lighting stuff. You know, a lot of people will just use a ring light, which is what I have just for this spot that I'm in. Um, and then I researched a lot and I dug into it and I actually learned how to do correct lighting in the house. And I got that backdrop sent in, which was huge. It just barely fits in this room. So the, you know, this was my little, I don't know if you want to call it man cave, you know, I've got like the big TV down here. You see, that's a subwoofer down there. I got it oh, right nice. in the back of the couch. <laughs> you know, I love listening to loud music and stuff. Um, and I really enjoyed the process. It was super fun. I'm kind of an AV nerd anyway. You know, I like, like, you know, good audio, good video. And it's always like this quest to try and make things look as good as possible. And it got to a point where with my Samsung phone, uh, they've got like a pro video feature on there where you can adjust aperture and, you know, all this crazy stuff that, you know, a lot of phones don't have and it makes the shot look really good. So, um, I'm super comfortable here working from home. Um, they're talking about going back hybrid at some point, but I don't, I don't think I'm, my whole life revolves around working from home now. So yeah. It's kind of hard to you know, adjust again. I mean, it just works better. It's, it's, it's undeniable. You know, I understand there's some people that like, they don't have, you know, the kids are out of the house or whatever, and they kind of miss being around people. I get that. But, you know, I've got three daughters or, or two daughters. One, one's in the belly. Congratulations, on the way. by the way. I saw your Instagram post. About that <laughs> Thank you. Kind of looking around. <laughs> this will be the last one. You think? <laughs> <laughs> no more, no more. It's, it's, it's a lot of work, man, when the kids are little, but it's, it's rewarding, especially when they get to like four or five years old and then they can really communicate well with you and you can teach them stuff and all that. Um, but yeah, working from home is the best thing ever. Um, I had a brutal commute. I live up in Woodstock, um, Atlanta suburbs, and I was having to drive at least a good, at least an hour each way, most often about hour 15, sometimes an hour and a half or more each way. So three hours a day in the car, you're trying to get your kids to daycare at the very crack of the dawn, like the beginning of when daycare starts, struggling to make it there by the end of the day to pick them up. You know, they're there at like six in the morning. You're trying to pick them up at like 6.30 at night. And uh, you just feel like a terrible parent. You get home, they go right to sleep and you start all over. It. This is this is the new norm, I think. And I think everybody needs to just get on board where possible. I understand it's not possible all the time. And I don't mind going back to the studio for some planned things like, Hey, we want to, you know, uh, uh, shoot some special forecasts one day, or we need the studio for this. We've got an idea or even like, Hey, we're going to cover a hurricane here. So, you know, there's probably like five days straight where we want to be in studio. Okay, fine. No problem. I got no, no problem with that. But the whole idea of a regular schedule, even if it's once or twice a week, I, I'm not, I'm not, I wouldn't be able to do that at this point. It's just not possible because this has become the norm. 
Yeah. In online school, I could definitely see where you were coming from. Cause simply because like I could do everything on my own time. It kind of sucked. The teaching definitely wasn't there, but you could really figure the things out if you put your mind to it. But then I got to travel a lot. Like I went like to a ton of vacations, like up to, I went all the way up north for New Year's, blah, blah, blah. Like it was an amazing time. And I kind of loved having the last parts of my high school online because, you know, I didn't actually have to do anything, graduate and right in the summer. That's it. But that's it. And here's, here's the thing. So I'll tell you about the process of how we put videos together. Okay. And then, and then I'll tell you like why it works better working from home. I don't think we expected this. We didn't expect that it was going to actually be more efficient and makes the videos better and allow us to put out more content and better content. But our process is basically, uh, we decide what stories we're going to cover. And then, uh, let's say we're going to do a forecast video on uh, severe weather in the South tomorrow or something, for instance. So we have a team of meteorologists that just makes the weather graphics. Okay. So they will make the graphics. Um, we have a team of news gatherers whose job it is to find video of stuff that's happening or has happened. And then, um, you have the on-camera meteorologist. So once that stuff is ready, uh, say we've got some really good video of a tornado that happened yesterday from the storm system. And then I've got my weather maps. And then it's my job to kind of take those and put them together and ad lib it and say, all right, hey, look at this video of a tornado yesterday. Well, this system is actually headed over here and then go through the forecast graphics and give the forecast. Once that is done, so so then those those elements all get sent separately to an editor. Okay, we do this all through Slack. All that stuff gets sent to an editor. The editor puts it together. And literally, I shoot this with my phone. I mean, I've got a nice mic and everything, USB to attach to it. If you got the right tools, it's all very doable. And then um, he will uh, kind of crop out my face, put it down in the corner. So the map and the video is really the the, the thing you see most of. I think the, the days of man in a studio pointing at a map, you know. Yeah, it's just kind of... It was cool while it lasted, but nobody cares about that anymore. It's just, it's the, it's the truth. So the editor will put all that stuff together. And then there's a publisher who has to take that final product and then publish it to, you know, the app and weather.com, all that kind of stuff. So it's a pretty intensive process. Now, the way that we were doing it in studio is we're shooting what's called uh, a style called live to tape. So they have this big, you know, those big boards that have a bunch of, uh, buttons on them that I don't know what all of them do. It's called a TriCaster. Hmm. I have <laughs> one probably... right here. That's uh, I can move my camera. Let's see it. All the buttons. This is what I was talking yeah. about. <laughs> nice. Yeah, honestly, I haven't figured out how to use it yet. So it's <laughs> coming from me or anything. Good. Uh, that makes two of us, <laughs> but that's what we were using in studio. So we would have a, one of the editors who would also act as a director. All right. So that was like an extra job, basically being a director. And he would have the headphones on and I'd stand in front of the camera and we'd have the map behind me and he would have the video ready in the TriCaster and say, okay, ready, set, go three, two, one, go. And then we would just shoot the video live and it, you know, we're shooting for anywhere between a minute, minute and a half usually is what we're going for, for a video. And a lot of the times it would take several attempts, you know, like, oh man, went a little long on that one or, okay, now I'm realizing we're going to have to kill this graphic because, you know, it's maybe not as pertinent to the story and we need this thing to move a little faster. 
So it's a process. Now with working from home, with everybody being able to do their own uh, elements individually, everybody has figured out how to do their own thing very efficiently. And um, the product is just better. We work better. There's no, you know, not like there was very much anyway where I work, but there's no office drama. Everybody's happy. You know, everybody's spending a lot of time with their family. There's no commute and our product is better. So, I mean, it's really a no brainer. I think there's uh, still some pressure in a lot of companies from upper management of like, Oh, we need to have people around each other and we should come in for meetings and all that kind of stuff. And I, I guess I see where they're coming from to some degree, but you know, I don't know for my life right now, there, there's nothing better has happened for my life than working from home in recent memory. It's completely, it's, I didn't realize how unhappy I was until, until, uh, until we started working from home. It's, it's a, it's a game changer, man. You actually start seeing like what's real instead of just doing a day to day, like regular schedule, just nine to five. Yeah. And I, I just family life, you know, I have a life outside of work now. I mean, my whole, my entire work week was in the car at work. And the, you know, the other thing is like, especially being a meteorologist, you know, you come to work and you have a, I've got a list of things that I have to do. Right. And I like to work efficiently. So there are times where, you know, I would have downtime at work and I'm like, man, it's like two o'clock. I, I really just, I'm done with everything. I want to go and beat the traffic, but then I have, I'm, you know, have to stay there and like babysit some storms in case something pops up at four o'clock now working at home. I mean, actually this morning I worked morning shift. Okay. I got asked kind of last minute to do it late yesterday. And I said, sure, no problem. I don't care. Like this is literally never going to be a problem if I'm working from home, yeah. you can call me at 1am and say, Hey, there's some breaking news. Can you go shoot a video? I can put my hair up like this, stay in my sweatpants, <laughs> throw on a dress shirt. Okay. <laughs> and get in front of the camera because it's just like a, it's like a chest up shot. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Been doing it's it efficient. Years, so. Better for everybody. All right. Sorry. I know I went on a tangent oh, about no. that, but I feel very strongly about it. Hey, that's what you're here for to talk about what you feel strongly <laughs> about. And actually I saw something on your Twitter that I want to talk about. You uh, retweeted something about being against the daylight saving time, um, sort of permanent what they just passed the bill for it yesterday. Yeah. So I don't really have terribly strong feelings about that. Honestly, I was just, uh, <laughs> I was retweeting it because it was a, it was a Twitter spaces thing where uh, one of my good friends, a meteorologist, Linda lamb, uh, our families hang out, uh, from time to time. And she feels very strongly about, uh, you know, the daylight savings time thing. And she's had some really great rants in some of our meetings. So I was really, you know, Linda is somebody, she's not actually quiet. For some reason, everybody gets this idea about her that she's quiet. She She's very warm. She's super nice. Uh, but when she feels strongly about something, she just, she just goes in on it. And it's just so fun to watch. Like she's very good at articulating her points. I guess she had actually written a letter to the, to uh, our Congress person as well. And, uh, we'll see what happens with that. You know why, you know why she's against it? (laughs) Okay. So here's the thing with the daylight savings. I'll, I'll admit something to you. There are a couple of things in life for some reason that I just don't understand very well. Now, of course I get what it is, but Mm. I like, it just doesn't, it doesn't completely compute in my brain. I'm like, okay, I get it. We set the clocks forward or backward. And then like the, you know, the daylight changes a little bit on either side happens a couple of times a year. Uh, all I know is that 
I don't like, sh- I don't like short days. I like long days. I like, but, but those happen in the summer anyway. Right. So I don't know. I don't really have any strong feelings on it either way. Do you? No, honestly. I mean, I think it's, I think it was probably just something that was made to add an extra hour to the work week and like everyone would work every day a little bit more. Oh, and, but no, not really. I just, I saw that you posted that. So I wanted to bring it up, but if it's not an interesting topic, we can definitely move forward. No, that's okay. It's all good. But, what uh, else you got for me? I'll talk about anything. Yeah. I kind of want to like think about, or not think about, talk about um your sort of like path through college with, what was your degree again? It was weather and basically meteorology. It's called, it was called atmospheric and oceanic science. That's yeah. a, just an AOS. It's another name for meteorology. Cool. Like, what was like, what kind of classes did you have to take? Like how, how was the experience like, going through that? <laughs> um, it was, it was really good. And there were parts of it that were really hard. Um, so it was super math intensive at the top. You've got like uh, a lot of these dynamics classes and it's really just a lot of calculus and that kind of stuff. So it's super math heavy. And I know for like broadcast meteorologists, uh, they come from, uh, mainly two different backgrounds. You'll have people like me who went to school for weather and did all that intense math stuff or whatever, and then somehow ended up broadcasting. And then you have people that go to school for broadcasting, you know, either with an emphasis for weather or they get, you know, a degree in weather or or some knowledge about weather along the road somewhere in their broadcasting career. Um, And there are a lot of great meteorologists that come from both. Honestly, I really don't think one's better than the other because what I've learned um, in my job since I've been working is literally 98, 99% of what you know and what you do is based on your experience working rather than education. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was funny. I went back to my uh, my college, University of Wisconsin, a couple of years ago, and I, I went to visit one of my professors, John Martin, synoptic meteorology professor, great guy. He's from Boston. He's got a super thick accent. Hell yeah! And I go into his, <laughs> I go into his office, and I we were having a chat, and I said, you know, I know I didn't, I didn't get like great grades in college or anything. It's not like I was failing out, but you know, it's kind of like those C's get degrees types of guys. I was partying a lot. It was like the number one party school in the nation while I was there for a couple of years. It was, it was a wild time. I was a kid. And, uh, you know, I, I still enjoyed my weather classes for the most part, but I just, now as an adult, after having gone through so many years of actual work and like my, I feel like my brain is just more open to wanting to learn more about this stuff. Like it felt more like a chore and a job back then. And now that I actually do it and I've been doing it for a long time. So I told him that I was like, man, I wish I could go back and do these classes again, because I feel like I would get even more out of them. And he's like. I expected him to be like a little annoyed, but he said, well, you know what? That means we did our job because here in college, we're supposed to teach you how to learn. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. It's kind of an interesting one. I've been thinking about it ever since. Yeah, no, I kind of agree with that. Like, (laughs) you know, most of the things that I learned last year, I don't remember probably everything I learned this year. I'm not going to remember next year. Like it's all just plug and play. Like just, we'll learn this this week and then write that. And then by the end, I'll cram for the final exam, get a good grade. I don't need to worry about that anymore. I feel like it's definitely just once you get the jobs, like you were saying, like the experience and internships, like those are the real hands-on things that you're actually going to learn from and realize if you like what you're doing or not. Like me, like personally, I'm going into business right now. Um, 
I think I'm going to concentrate in finance, but honestly, Patty's telling me to change the marketing and sales. So I might listen to Patty because I'm not too great at math, but who knows what I actually want to do in life? Like I have no idea. Honestly, doing this podcast is like helping me figure out what I want to do in life because I'm talking to all these people that have already done what they want to do and know like exactly what to tell someone about it. So you never know what you're going to do. And here's the thing. I don't even know what I'm going to be doing in 10 years. I really like yeah. my job. I really love it, but I'm not married to it. I mean, if there's something else that comes along, that's, you know, either way more money or, you know, something that I, I'm, I get more interested in somehow or whatever. I mean, you know, I'm open to it. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't see a reason why I wouldn't be here for a long time. I'd be super happy if I stay with this company for the rest of my career. That'd be awesome. But you just never know. I mean, you know, when, when you've been through work for like over a decade, you've seen things like layoffs and and things like that and and all, in all different companies. And, you know, it, it just kind of, it it just teaches you that you've always got to be prepared and you never know where you're going to end up. Like, you know, a lot of the people that make it to the top, it's just, it's just totally random how they get there. Like, uh, I've remembered some of our executives, they had a little, uh, little talk where they were talking about their careers and it's just crazy how they moved up through the ranks. You know, you catch a little break here, there, you spearhead some project and somebody notices you and then you move up and eventually the next thing is to be like the VP and then, you know, you just never know. So, um, I mean, I never thought I was going to end up in broadcasting. I always tell people like, if you don't think you can do broadcasting, trust me, you can do broadcasting because if I can do it, anybody can do it. I specifically remember English 10 B in uh, sophomore year of high school. Oh, wow. Speech class, right? That sinking, just butterflies getting mm-hmm. up in front of the people talking. Oh man, I did not like that. But then I think I think it clicked for me one day, like, oh, all I need to do is just get in front of this camera and treat it like a person. And like, if this person and I were sitting at a bar and the person asked me, what's the weather going to be like here over the next few days? And I just tell them, once you can get comfortable with that, um, you know, at least in my career, it it helped me out a lot. Yeah. No, talking to this mic is a pretty new thing to me. And uh, I don't know how I feel about it, especially with the headphones on. I can just like hear what I'm saying when I'm talking to you. Like I'm still adjusting to that. And it's been months of me figuring this stuff out. I love, uh, I've got my little in-ear monitors. Yeah, honestly, I didn't, I didn't see them before. Like I saw you like messing with them whenever we like just started (laughs) trying to figure out the audio and stuff. But so pretty neat. So I, I played drums in a couple of bands here in Atlanta and we, we play a bunch of gigs and I use these when we play. I, I like, that's how I can hear everything, the guitars and the drums and whatever. So I got a second pair of them for, for Christmas. And, uh, so I took the old ones and I've been using them here and they're just, Oh my God, it, it's so much better than headphones. You can get a good pair of these for like a hundred bucks or Wait, less. So are they not headphones? Do they not go in your ear? Like they're, they're basically just really high quality, uh, earbuds. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's basically all it is. Uh, but yeah, they're fantastic. And the funny thing is I've found, uh, I don't know why this is, but when I'm shooting videos here at home or even in the studio, when I have something in my ears, whether there's anything playing or not in them, uh, 
I tend to be more natural on camera. Mm. I totally came across this uh, recently because I felt like I was getting a little stiff. Like I've always been known for being like kind of natural and just, you know, loosey goosey and whatever. Uh, but I found, I'd found that while I was shooting videos here and I would, I would watch some of them back, I'd be like, man, I'm just starting to get a little broadcasty, a little stiff. I don't like it. And I started experimenting with stuff and I put some earplugs in. I don't know what it is about the earplugs. Like it, it, it must be this subconscious, like fear of other people hearing you or something. You put in the ear earbuds and it's like, I'm in my own world and I can just concentrate and I can just be natural. And yeah, it's a really weird phenomenon. I don't know if much, uh, anybody else has that, but <laughs> Man, singers do it, right? Don't they sometimes put earplugs in to sing? Well, that, that was the reason I got these in the first place because I have to sing a lot of backup vocals in these bands. And like when you're sitting behind a drum set, you know, usually they'll give you a little wedge monitor, like a big speaker next yeah. to you that's pointing up and you know, behind a drum kit, you can't hear anything coming out of that, no matter how loud it makes it. So I, and it's, it just makes it easier for me to hit the notes that I have to hit and yeah. make them blend with everybody nicely. So, it was a game changer. I bet actually. Cause like all like the surrounding sounds of everything and then like just a loud banging of the drums, it can easily throw off your rhythm or just like actually. Join. And the other thing is uh, hearing protection because I've sure. really been bad with hearing protection with the drums. I played since I was in like sixth grade and it's, Oh, it's not cool to wear earplugs. I remember my dad bought me this huge, like Sam's club thing of earplugs, earplugs. <laughs> God bless my parents for dealing with that. That's a rough instrument for a kid to play. Nowadays, they've got these electronic kits. That's what I have now. I practice on it. I can just put these in. Oh, really? Play it. Play along with a drumless track, and my whole family can be asleep upstairs. And it's like I'm Taylor Hawkins and the Foo Fighters at a real gig or something. You know what I mean? Like you like it? Do you like it? Like just the, the same best. as old-fashioned drums, or you want to talk about? Oh, it's you can make them sound extremely close to to uh, old-fashioned drums, and actually, it's. Like if we have like a smaller bar gig, I'll actually play those at the gig. You can just plug them into the PA because the, the real drums and the cymbals tend to be too loud and it's hard to mix the sound and everything. Wow. You make this a drumming podcast. Yeah. I'll go on for days about I this. Mean, you you want to talk about my dream job? Yeah. Go touring ahead. drummer. Touring, <laughs> like any band in particular or any genre? I'm a rock drummer. Okay, cool. Um, I mean, I can play some other genres, but rock, pop, that kind of stuff is my favorite thing to play. I play in a, a '90s and early 2000s cover band and a Foo Fighters cover band. So, awesome! My yeah, buddy is a good big fun. Foo Fighters fan. Oh, did you just say Patty? Uh, no, no, my buddy. I think Patty might actually be too. <laughs> Patty is, yeah, she definitely is. I know that. <laughs> yeah, I just had one of her other coworkers on from Tampa Bay Times, and he started bringing up Meatloaf. I still have yet to look it up. Some band back in their day, I guess. But you don't know who Meatloaf is? Oh my god! You do. Yeah, <laughs> maybe I'm just uncultured. I don't know. <laughs> no, it's just a generation difference. There's another thing that's weird as you get older. Uh, first off, like when you see college kids and high school kids, they look like kids. Like I know you're an adult. I'm looking at you, but you just look young. You yeah. look very young. Trust me, I know. New York City taught me that really quick. I thought maybe the, the little beard growing in, maybe a little deeper voice. No. <laughs> I, I don't compare to the people there. Like tried to walk into a bar, did not work. Like immediately turned me around. Cause yeah, it's just, it's kind of annoying sometimes, especially when you're trying to work like real life jobs and stuff. And people start looking kind of more lightly on you and kind of like a child and not really. That's a huge thing. That's yeah. a huge thing, man. I think that's actually, um, 
I think there's some gender things in play there too, because you notice, especially in my business, what tends to happen with the women is that there's more uh, gender discrimination as they get older, you know, like, um, and then I think with men and just something that I always struggled with a little bit was again, like looking young when you're young, Mm -hmm. like they, like viewers want to see like an, an older man and a younger woman. It's very, it's, I think that's just the reality of it. I'm not saying it's good or okay. Um, and I know there've been like lawsuits. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, <laughs> I'm missing this thunderstorm here for you. Look at this. Oh man, I'd be out of my deck right now. <laughs> Come on, you can just have the little side computer going. I know you're tracking it on the side. Oh, I'm checking radar. That's for sure. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> Does the job ever stop? Or are you always looking? These days, the job stops. Um, it's so funny to think about the differences between. Uh, myself now and like when I was fresh out of college at my first job or even at my second job, like there was a time when I, I just lived, breathe, sleep, eat weather. I just loved it. And I still do, but having kids really changes a lot. Um, and from like 2012 to 2015 or so, I was really into Twitter and I really dug it, uh, because I was trying to carve out a niche where, uh, I was making these really cool looking radar graphics. I'm kind of like a severe weather nerd and I really like radar stuff. And this was a time when it wasn't super saturated. You know what I mean? Like nowadays there are so many people doing that stuff. Oh, well that I can just go on there and retweet them. And I just, I don't care as much as I used to because that was like, it was important in my life back then. And now what's important in my life is my family. Yeah. I, I want to do a really good job while I'm at work, but I, I can detach now. Like, you know, when I worked in local news and I, I specifically remember, this is so funny thinking of like, I would make a forecast high. This is, Let's say I was working in Lima, Ohio, and it was in the summer and I'd forecast a high of 83, man. I would watch that weather service website all day. I'd refresh it. I'd be like, what's the high going to be, you know, around 3 PM, 4 PM. I'd keep refreshing it. I'd be like, Oh man, it was 80. It wasn't 83. I was off. Like people are going to care. Nobody cares about that kind of stuff at all. Yeah. Nobody cares. Literally nobody. It can't be perfect. Right. From like, like, I don't know. Is weather ever perfect or is it getting better? getting a lot better. Uh, forecast models have gotten a lot better, way, way better. Uh, even just since I've been doing this over the last 10 or 15 years, you know, we put up some new satellites, uh, we're getting much higher resolution data. Um, forecast models are just, I mean, they're just getting better. There's nothing else that they would be able to do, right? Like the more, the more we use them, the more information we get, uh, from watching how they performed, they can make, adjustments in the algorithms and all that kind of stuff. And there are a lot of forecast models out there and they're all working uh, very hard to get better. So one thing that I think is really, uh, if, if you were to ask like, what's the most noticeable thing that's improved mm. with forecasting over the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years, I would say um, the accuracy of hurricane track forecasting. Mm. Yeah. Like the cone, the, the, you know, those forecast cones, the cone of uncertainty. Yeah. Like, that cone basically tells you like that's the whole area where the center of the storm could go. It could end up on the right side of the storm. It could go or right side of the cone, left side of the cone or something like that in the middle. Well, those cones have gotten so much thinner over the years because the forecast modeling for hurricanes has gotten a lot better. There's still some issues as far as intensity forecasts go, 
so, you know, we've had certain situations where it was like, um, okay, uh, we're, we're five days out from this thing hitting the coast. It looks like it's probably going to be a cat two. And then like right before it hits the coast, it really rapidly strengthens into a cat four or something like that within a, within 24 hours before it hits. So that's still kind of a challenge, but I think that's getting better too. Uh, yeah, just in general forecasting has gotten so much better. Um, and you know, I work with a lot of really, really smart people that have a lot of experience. Oh, you want to talk about, uh, some kind of advice for being in the workplace that, that I could give to younger people starting off is just do not be worried about what anybody's going to think about you. If you don't know about stuff, like when I walked into the weather channel, I was, I had only done local TV. So basically what that is, I worked in three places before uh, the weather channel, Lima, Ohio. I worked in Charleston, West Virginia, and I worked in uh, Huntsville, Alabama. So, uh, when I came here, you know, all of a sudden now I'm having to forecast about a, a, a cyclone that's hitting somewhere in the South Pacific or, you know, uh, I don't know, a low pressure system that's in Europe. And so I talked, to, I would just go to some of these more senior meteorologists, guys like John Erdman, um, who has covered these events a lot. And I'll ask him like, Hey, so when, a when a typhoon hits Taiwan, what's the biggest thing that happens? Like is storm surge the biggest issue? Does it tend to be the wind? Does it tend to be the rain? Now, in that case, it usually tends to be the rain because there's a lot of terrain on Taiwan. So it, it's not, it, it's not really tailor-made for storm surge to be a big issue, you know? So they get, they get landslides and mudslides from the rain because of the terrain. It's just little details like that. And you just learn them. And then, you know, eventually you're teaching other people that stuff. And I'm still learning all the time. Yeah, for sure. I have a question to ask you. Is there, has there been like more of a surge of severe weather recently? Like, or how's it like, how has the pattern been the past, maybe like 15, 20 years? So there's a lot of factors in play there, right? Uh, you read a lot of headlines and they say, well, severe weather is just getting so much worse. Yeah, you know, it's climate change, that. severe weather is getting worse. Let me make this super clear right now. Climate change is a real thing. Uh, it is caused by humans uh, to a, to a very significant degree. There's no doubt about that at all. Science proves it. Okay. Now, what can you tie to climate change? Okay. You have to do studies. You have to factor in a lot of different things. Um, wildfires is a great example. Uh, wildfires, drought in the West, that kind of stuff. You can tie it to climate change based on research. More rain that's, that storm systems are producing. Storms that come uh, West to East across the U.S., uh, more flooding, uh, uh, situations that get bad flooding, heavy rain, that kind of stuff. You can tie that to climate change, severe weather, unless, unless I'm mistaken. And maybe there's some, there's some really good documentation out there somewhere, but I haven't seen it. Um, I think what's happening in a lot of cases is phones, man, everybody's got their phones. So every single tornado that happens, it's documented. Whereas 20 years ago, 20, 30 years ago, you could have a tornado out in the middle of nowhere. Radars were not set up such that they could confirm tornadoes. We didn't have that capability until 2012 ish. Actually. Hmm. Yeah. That's very yeah. interesting. So, so uh, with, with tornado warnings, right. A, a, a radar will show you where the spin is in, in a storm. And uh, you know, when you, when a tornado warning comes out, it, it, it will say something like uh, 
there is radar indicated rotation in the storm. So in a lot of those tornado warnings, we don't actually know whether there's a tornado on the ground or not. Now, there are cases where, you know, there's been one observed or uh, radar has confirmed one because we can do that now. And, uh, you know, it's kind of a kind of a long story of how radar can confirm tornado. But the big difference is back in the day, the radar beam would only shoot out a horizontal beam, right? It would shoot out this horizontal beam and it would say, how big is this thing that I'm looking at in the horizontal? Well, now we just changed it back in about 2012 to this thing called dual pole radar. So it measures in the horizontal and the vertical. So now you've got information on the shape of the particle, right? Is it more horizontal than it is vertical, like a raindrop that would be falling through the sky and kind of encountering the air resistance? Um, does it does it look uh, uh, is is the horizontal and vertical measurements pretty close to the same? So it would appear spherical. That's what happens when hail is falling out of a storm because it tumbles, and even if it's not a perfect sphere, the radar sees it as that. So it's that kind of stuff uh, that we can actually like discern different types of precipitation now. And actually we can see tornado debris because of that, because there's this product um, because we can now know the shape of all the stuff that's flying around that the radar is seeing. It's unbelievable. Uh, yeah. It's crazy. It's isn't that type it? so, of satellite. They can literally look at falling raindrops or hail or anything like that. Well, yeah. I mean, radar has been doing that forever. Like think about the normal radar you see on your phone where you you hear a storm's coming in and you look down at it, you see the green and yellow stuff. That's the regular radar. That's just the horizontal beam. Okay. So that's just telling you how big are these particles. Okay. Um, What the dual pole allows you to do is, is get this whole different list of products. So one of them that we use to, to see tornado debris is this one that will show you how differently or similarly shaped is everything. So it will survey this whole area. Like let's say it's the size of, you know, half a city or something. And it's pretty close to where the rotation is in a storm. And you'll see that a lot of this stuff is very similarly shaped, but you have this area right on top of the rotation where there's just a ton of differently shaped stuff that the radar is picking up. That's how you would know that it would be tornado debris in that certain situation, because they could actually tell you, look, I'm seeing all these branches and people, you know, pieces, pieces of people's houses and whatever it is. Um, yeah, that was an extremely short tutorial on dual pole radar, but hopefully you get the general idea. Yeah, you just educated me and everyone else who's listening. Cause I'm sure no one really knows what any of that is, but that's- yeah, I love that stuff, man. It's so cool. Yeah. So we are just tracking now tornadoes kind of everywhere around that wasn't being tracked. Well, not, we still can't see every tornado for sure, uh, on radar. It just allows us to see more of them than we used to now. But yeah, the point is, are we having more severe weather, severe weather worse? Are we having more tornadoes? I haven't seen anything that indicates that over the last little while. I mean, geez, 2011 was a crazy year for tornadoes. You know, we had a a humongous outbreak in the seventies, tornadoes, severe weather, all this stuff has been going on forever. Okay. So there's a lot of recently you know, the last many years and yes, climate change is real, but you have a lot of people that, uh, that just take it to another level where you kind of lose a little bit of credibility. Sometimes I feel like, because I do think it's important to communicate climate change, but you know, you get these websites that just have no credibility and they'll just say like, Oh man, climate change caused this. It's like, based on what, based on what, like I want science. Okay. You know, yeah, just people skew science like no other, like especially yeah. now, just like 
the things that you can do with numbers is make them sound so much more appealing to a different audience is annoying. Like literally two different sides of an argument could use the same study and just word the numbers a little bit differently and it would sound favorable to either one of them. That's exactly what I was going to say. I mean, even like what's real anymore. It's a really weird time that we live in right now. Um, the time of disinformation. <laughs> well, it is because think about, say you wanted to go find some unbiased news, which was readily available all over the place back in the day. Everything has a bias now. I mean, everything. I've seen it. I've seen it in local newsrooms before. There, there are producers there. Whether they're young, old, whatever it is, they have their own political bias in many cases. Not every single case. There are some good ones out there. I get it. But it's just little things in the way stories are written. It's very tough to get to get trustable news. It's yeah. one side or the other to some degree. And same thing with scientific studies. You can say peer reviewed and all that stuff all you want, but a lot of people have agendas. And again, this is on both sides. I'm really not on either side of the aisle here. Yeah. I just like science. And I think honestly, that's kind of a rare thing today. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It does, honestly, I feel like it's more of a silent majority, especially just in college. And like, you know, I mean, I've been meeting a bunch of people my age recently, like the past two years of being here and everything. And you just, you, I meet so many people that are just like, I kind of like both sides. Like the most general argument that I probably hear is like, I agree with the Republican values of like economics and like, you know, money and just like how we, like the capitalist society and everything. But then social ideas, they're just all out of line. Like everything's changed. Like you have to be more accepting. You can't be as offensive because, because you can like talk to more people and like, you can hurt people's feelings with not having a face to your name or like even writing your own name in general. It could just be some random username and actually hurt someone's feelings. And I just, they're like, so I agree more with the democratic social ideas, but then more of the Republican like economic values. And that's kind of where I stand. And like, it's crazy that that is a real thing. And a lot of people do think that way, but we've just been taught and you hear this time and time again of like, if you vote for another party that's not de Democratic or Republican, your vote does not matter. Like, yeah, it's just it's not going to reach a percentage. And How does it change though? That's the thing. Like, because I feel the exact same way. Those are my political beliefs, basically, yeah. and I truly believe that is a that those are the political beliefs of a very very large amount of people. I really do. I think people just, you know, they don't want us to be in debt. Uh, we want to help people that are helpless. We want to. Uh, allow people to live their lives however they want and accept people for whoever they are. And yeah, I guess whatever liberal, social, uh, economic, conservative, whatever. And there's, you know, different levels to all that stuff. But yeah, like, heck, I, I think I voted libertarian a couple of times. Here's the problem. You call yourself a libertarian and then all of a sudden everybody thinks you're a conspiracy theorist yeah. because there are some libertarians that are conspiracy theorists. Oh, so you don't want roads and you don't want anything like that. I'm like, whoa, before we talk about roads, like let's talk about some of the waste that's going on. Like, geez. Yeah. There's just a lot of issues that aren't really being presented and neither side wants to sort of like work towards fixing these issues, these issues. Cause the issues are large and like very complex and will not be fixed in the time that you open your phone again to look at Instagram, to see some other news saying that they haven't done anything yet. Like, just you can't no one actually wants to fix these things that actually need to be fixed like waste you're right that is a disgusting thing that going up to new york city i saw a lot more of than you do down here in charlotte like there's just 
couple of human feces just walking like just on the oh pavement, like just stuff that you just don't want to see. And I don't know. I politics is a very weird thing. And the thing with parties, I just one thing that always stuck with me since AP US history in high school was George Washington's farewell address. He said, Do not create factions, they will divide us. And this is like that was the last thing he ever said to uh, like the nation. And then what did we do? We made two political parties and they fought it out. We're living it out right now. I mean, nothing, it it just, I shouldn't say nothing, but it's extremely hard to find just any kind of rational logic thought. There's no, uh, there, there's so little credibility anywhere. And you know, I say that because people never acknowledge anything on the other side. Uh, what I notice is that everybody just likes to dig their heels in. They're saying I'm part of this tribe and it's so predictable. Like something will happen and it's just like, Oh, this side's going to think this, that side's going to think that. Okay. Oh, there was a, there was a, um, a cop shot somebody in this particular city. Well, this side, no matter what, nobody looks at any information from the thing. Mm -hmm. This side's going to say it was because of his skin color. This side's going to say, well, I support the police no matter what. Well, it's it's probably more nuanced than that in some situations. In Definitely. some situations, it probably is just a straight up murder. In some situations, the person probably did something that the cop probably should have shot. You know what I mean? Like I've seen it all, but on on all those issues, like no matter what the actual situation was, there are these clear two sides that nobody wants to actually look at what happened. You know, yeah. I, I don't understand that. It just makes no sense to me. Yeah. Like these cut like serious things like that. It's not just black and white. There's definitely things that no one really knows. Like even the news sources that are like showing like up on your social media and like even just like you know regular news like that no one really looks at anymore. To be quite honest, in my generation, but I mean they all just they don't know everything, and most of them are trying to push an agenda. But that's it. So we're starting to close out on the hour, and um, I just have one more question for you, if you don't mind answering. Just sure. Just kind of what would you, what advice would you give yourself if you were back at 19, 20 years old college? In college or just out of college and working? Either or, whichever one you want to talk about. (laughs) Oh man, I think I was kind of a late bloomer as far as growing up goes. Um, A lot of aspects of life. I mean, geez, I've been through two divorces already. I got a good one now. Like this is the last one. I'm okay. sure. Promise. But yeah, I promise. Like <laughs> this is definitely the one. <laughs> but um yeah, I I would say honestly don't get don't get too obsessed with uh what you've done in college to enter the workforce. Just understand that you have a unique personality and you have unique things that you're good at that can be applied in a lot of different ways. I really, truly think the whole college system is, it's just a broken system, you know, because you've got to pay all this money to get, you know, these degrees. A lot of other people have these degrees. It's almost like the norm and people treat you like you're stupid if you don't go. Let me tell you another secret. Nobody's ever looked at my diploma or degree. I could be a guy off the street for, for all any of these companies know. And uh, I have really learned uh, how to communicate meteorology effectively. I have I put together a resume tape that, that demonstrates that and that's all the, the, the place cares about that hires me. And can I do that on a consistent basis? Um, I would say, you know, not only that, but also like what I said before, just 
be open to learning and, and go ask people stuff. And, you know, I know how it is. Like, you know, you start out in something and you're like, man, I don't want to seem stupid, man. These guys have been around here forever. This is going to be such a stupid question. Who cares? Every single time you ever have that thought and then you go ask the person the question, you're going to be happy with the results. It's going to be a positive experience. So yeah, be open to learning, ask questions and uh, be open to going whatever direction the, the wind takes you, I guess. It sounds yeah. cliche, but it's very, very true. Some great advice. And I'm definitely going to take that for, into consideration because, yeah, just be a good person and work hard. And I'm sure you'll find yourself somewhere. Now, hopefully you don't go ask a question at your first job. And then the guy says, that's a stupid question. <laughs> You're fired. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And you can give me a call and I'll take the blame. Yeah, I'm just going <laughs> to join you as a meteorologist. <laughs> That's funny. Cool. Well, it's been a great conversation and you had a lot of good points and a lot of interesting topics and opinions on things. And I'm sure a lot of people are going to like be glad they listen and get this advice and take it somewhere. Hopefully, or I'll get some hate mail. We'll see. Or some way. hate mail. I mean, maybe, maybe. I'll talk cool about with politics, either. so we're probably going to get something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Very nice to meet you, by the way. You too. I just stopped.